This is the last of a three-part series. It's part of a progression, which I'm calling karma, jnana, and bhakti. Uh, and it's a dialectic. Uh, karma is, uh, Prabhupada translates it, fruitive activity. I'm doing things in order to enjoy the fruits myself. I want to become the world lies before us like a land of dreams, so beautiful, so rich, so new. Where you can use it. Huh? That's actually the American dream, huh? Shared with most of the rest of the world, too. <laughs> anyway, to be the enjoyers and controllers of material nature, and that means we want to be God. And so most people just become out-and-out -out atheists, you know, because if there's... I want to take over the world, and if somebody's in control, that makes it hard, but there's nobody in the driver's seat, I can grab the controls myself and run the world. And I think, actually, when I look at the world, it's got so many things wrong with it, I could do a better job. I could fix it up. That's the one project. So there are people who are on the stage of enjoying, who also believe in God and worship God, but they think that God's business is to help them out. Uh, and, and they may be a little restricted in their enjoying tendency, where the others are more unlimited, but it's basically the same idea. Um, this is We talked about that. Then when that fails and it doesn't work out, then we get the next thing. First you try to enjoy the world, you become disappointed with that, and then you want to give it the whole thing up, and this is the opposite. You then go to the opposite side. And this is exemplified in, uh, well, you see it in all religious traditions. These three stages are everywhere, in every religious tradition, uh, somewhere. Some are more prominent at others and other times. And that's the, to, to uh, give up trying to enjoy the world and become one with an impersonal absolute. Still I'm thinking I'm God, but now that by God it means now I'm here, somehow or other I'm God, but I forgot. <laughs> Nobody knows why, but <laughs> I'm God. And then, uh, then I'll, I'll get enlightened and, uh, and I'll remember who I am. And God is unlimited. As soon as you say this or that, he, she, it, anything, you limit God, and so therefore God had best me. No name, no form, no qualities, no activities, no relationships. So you get the infinite all, which is cognitively identical with nothing. Some theologians writing in English or German will have a capital N rather than a small N, but it's just nothing, right? There's something wrong here. And so the fulfillment of uh, the, the striving is actually bhakti. Because in, in karma, you want to enjoy the world. The, in, in jnana, you want to reject the world and reject uh, the self. Uh, in bhakti, the world comes back, and, this, and the personality, individuality comes back, but it's not the same as the one that was rejected. Now, so this is a, a classical uh, kind of uh, progression here. Uh, uh, so 
the the definition of bhakti, which means uh, well here the definition rishikesha rishikena sevanam bhaktir uchate. The classical bhakti means to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses. Master of the senses means Krishna, it means God. These senses that I have, in, in Sanskrit philosophy, the two sets of senses or instruments, those for perception and those for action. Now my eyes, my ears, my tongue, uh, uh, for, uh, tongue for tasting, ears for seeing, these are the senses of perception, the gyanindriya. And then karo, my two hands, my legs, senses of motion, manipulation. Uh, the tongue is both uh, making sp speech. These instruments, they actually belong to Krishna. And what bhakti means is I use them to serve Krishna. So the body is back. I don't reject it. I don't try to enjoy it. Uh, like, the, like the economy, like the materialists. I don't reject it like the Ghanis. I engage it in Krishna's service. Then it becomes valuable. Uh, uh, this is what devotion means to... Uh, and the world around us, again, I don't try to enjoy it. I don't try to renounce it but I just try to utilize everything in the service of God because it's God's creation, as are my senses and my, my body. Of course, there's people who are trying to say it all happened by accident or like that, but so far nobody's been able to come close to duplicating anything like it, and most of our advancement are just uh, plagiarizing a little bit from what's already there by... Uh, uh, well, by God's will. So here, when you say God is a person, now people say, I had one say to me, I was describing to somebody, you know, God is a person. I said, oh, don't limit it by giving it a name, you know, which is nasty. If I said to this lady, you know, uh, oh, uh, don't, uh, Sally's a nice girl. Oh, don't limit it by giving it a name. It's not nice. So, you can, so God uh, is simultaneously the supreme person among all other, other persons, other persons, and also everything is His energy. So, so He 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 He's 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 both. He's the supreme being and being itself too, because everything that we see is His energy. If that sounds difficult to get your head around? Well, it is. But then we're talking about God, not such easy thing to do. Uh, this, this philosophy, uh, achincha beda beda tattva. Uh, you cannot think of God as separate from everything, uh, uh, and you can't think of God as simply as one with everything. He's both. He's both uh, one and different. Nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. Hmm? So everything is divine because it's Krishna's energy, uh, yet he's also his own uh, place, his own abode, his own individuality. So, uh, 
this is uh, uh, we recognize. And then, but then you say, well, you know, if Krishna is a person, then then he's well, you know, I, I think of like the God idea that I grew up with uh, being raised a Christian. One guy all by himself, sort of sitting on a throne. Uh, def- definitely a male, uh, so not, not a female. That's a limitation right there. But anyway, uh, and, and kind of awesome and, and worshipped by everybody at a safe distance, you know. And it seemed like a very boring thing to do. Uh, and God didn't seem all that interesting. And the only thing he had was a whole lot of power. But other than that, you know. So you, you always wondered. But here, God is not only... He, he appears in many, many forms. Although he's one, he has many, many roles. But just like I'm a, I'm a limited human being, uh, but I, I, any, any human being also has many roles, and they change. Let's, let's take a guy, he's, he, he's, a, he's a judge, and he's got a big position, he's sitting, uh, he's sitting in the court behind the bench, he's in his black robe, and there are lawyers in front of him, and they're saying, Your Honor, does it please the court, you know, and so on. And they behave in a very special way, and that's, that's the judge. So the, he adjourns the court, goes back, takes off his robes. He's a different guy. And even the lawyers come, the same lawyers that called him Your Honor, they turned out to be his friends. And he goes out and they put on short plants and they play tennis together. They're completely different, different clothes, different relationships. And then, you know, the, the, the lawyer goes and, uh, say, he teaches in a law school. And now he's a professor and he's got students in another set of relationships. Then he goes home and he changes clothes and he's down on the floor rolling around with his children. Another relationship. So we sustain a whole bunch of different relationships. And sometimes people who are lawyers will put on you know, different clothes and riding motorcycles. And you can only go so far that you stretch it. But so, so this is what God does because he has so many devotees and he has different relationships with him. He has different personality and different aspect of himself. We can only do it sequentially. He does it all at once. So that's why you see there's one God, but there you see there's Ramachandra, there's Lakshman, there's uh, Lord Chaitanya, and also the female side is there uh, with Sita and, and Radharani, and then he's Lord Chaitanya, Nityananda, all these different roles. One God, but just different aspects and uh, different things he's doing. And this is just a limited sample we have right here. Now that is the supreme person, that he can, that he can pull it off, right? Uh, so now I identify myself as the servant of God. You know, when we are initiated devotees, we get the last name Das or Dasi. It means a lowly position. It means you're a servant. Or even if you look up the word in the Sanskrit dictionary, slave. Uh, and nobody wants that position. That's because the material world, that's the lowest thing. 
And spiritual life, it's the highest. It's the greatest. Uh, and so we are ourselves tiny spiritual sparks of God. So therefore, we have divinity in us. We are, we are eternal spiritual beings. Uh, uh, but we are small. Uh, the, 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 the jiva, the soul, is one ten thousandth, the tip of a head of hair in size, according to the Upanishads. One of my scientific friends in the movement said that's one quarter of an angstrom unit. <laughs> it's very small, if it's a human hair they're talking about. <laughs> so, so very, very tiny. But nevertheless, we're eternal. Uh, uh, and we are constituted as the servant of God. That's our actual nature, our swarup, our, our e eternal form. And that's what we are, and that's what will satisfy us. That's what will satisfy us. Uh, and we will find our actual fulfillment in, in that role, full satisfaction. We say, yes, Krishna, you, you are the supreme personality of Godhead, and I'm completely on board with that. I'm delighted and thrilled that you are God and I am your servant. Uh, to love somebody means to want them to be. It's a love of God. Yes, Krishna, I want you to be the Supreme Lord. I'm happy with that. Uh, uh, here we see people don't ever say that, you know, whatever position you have, I'd really like to have it for myself. <laughs> we have our own, we talked about our own little God projects, which reflects the fact that somehow we've tried to become competitors with God ourselves. So we are not God, but we can become godly or godlike. And in that way we can approach God. Right now, we only hear stories about God from maybe a few people claim to have seen him, or there's testimony in scriptures, but where is he? That's always the big atheist army. Where's God? Show me. You know? I could say to you, where's the President of the United States? Show me. I could, uh, President Obama, where are you? Doesn't come when I call. Why not? <laughs> Show me. Had to be qualified. Huh? God has to want to come and see you. So actually, He will do that. And we have we have to have the eyes to see God. My spiritual master was once asked, "Have you seen God?" Prabhupada said, "Yes." He says, "Not only have I seen God, but there is never a time when I am not seeing Him." And then he said, and you are also seeing him. But you can't, rec they can't, rec you can't recognize. He said, have you seen the sun? Have you seen the moon? Yeah, I have. Well, if I actually saw the sun and the moon the way they are, I, w I would see them in the right, right perspective. I would see the miracle that they're divine. They're put there by God. Another time Prabhupada said, uh, uh, don't see a tree, see Krishna. That doesn't mean that the tree is God, but nevertheless it's Krishna's energy, it's put there by Krishna. We can't make one. 
just nothing. We can't do it, but it's there. And if we actually are God conscious, everything we see is a miracle. People want to see miracles. You're already seeing miracles. You don't even know it. Even that you can see is a miracle. How do you do that? How do you do it? That's quite a job, looking around the world and seeing all these things. We're trying to make machines do it, and it's so hard. How do you do it? That's a miracle. How do I even lift my hand? I have no idea. I want to lift my hand, and it goes up. How did I do that? I can't tell you. Who's doing it? Who set it up? This is to have some appreciation uh, uh, for, for, for what God is. Uh, so, to actually see God in his spiritual form, this is one form of God, actually. The, the universe itself, the universal form, is one of God's forms. But he also has his individual, personal, spiritual form. And to see that, we have to get close. So if, if, if we want to get close to God who is spiritual, we have to become spiritualized. If you want to enter a fire, you can't because you know we're cold and the fire is hot and we'll be burned. But if you become fire, you can enter the fire. So that's the process of, of, of bhakti is to spiritualize our nature, or rather, re-spiritualize our nature. One definition of devotional service is the re-spiritualization of matter. Because everything is actually spirit. There's different kinds of spirit, but we re-spiritualization of matter. So we haven't really even seen the world as, as it is. Because we've limited our vision and what we see is uh, an, uh, uh, this godless world that we can enjoy and control, this is the world of maya. As soon as we get rid of that competitive spirit with God, you, Krishna, you are the enjoyer. Everything belongs to you. I will take it and use it in your service. I will use all my senses in your service. I will use whatever happens to come under my local control in your service. Then God appears. Uh, and the spiritual nature of everything becomes uh, revealed. So the process of re-spiritualization of, of our senses is, is bhakti. And spiritual life begins with the tongue. I mentioned the tongue before. It's both a gyanindriya and a karmindriya. It tastes and it vibrates. So first of all, take the tongue which is all the time broadcasting, all, all, talking all kinds of things, you know. Or the thumbs. <laughs> That's how we talk nowadays. <laughs> These are turned into tongues. But you use them in God's service. And so we start with the tongue. We chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. And even the thumb, you know, you use some beads to help you concentrate your mind. And our tongue for tasting, we offer our, we cook and offer our food to God and then eat the remnants and that way our tongue is engaged. In this way, our senses become purified. They become spiritualized. Uh, and this way, 
This bhakti is the re-spiritualization of matter. Now there's another interesting factor about becoming a devotee. Devotees, there's a certain tribute that God himself pays to devotees. It turns out that God has a religion. Just like devotees are in love with God, guess what? God is in love with devotees. He has a religion. Uh, he worships his devotee. And especially that's why we see in our central altar his favorite devotee, Srimati Radharani. He's with her. Uh, uh, the supreme devoted. Uh, so here we have everything. <laughs> People have this narrow idea of God and it's true, you know, if, even if you look in the Vedas, you'll see some people worship a he-god, some people worship a she-god, some people worship an it-god. But God is complete. God is he, she, and it. No one is left out. <laughs> so he, here, here, here uh, uh, there's Radha and Krishna together with his supremely uh, devoted one. And then what happens... Uh, in, in fairly recent times, is, as you see on the altar over there, the Lord appears as Chaitanya, as Mahaprabhu, uh, the 15th century in Bengal. Uh, his, the, the Bhagavatam predicts his coming. coming. Uh, uh, why? And he comes as a devotee. Uh, uh, and he's Krishna himself, but he takes on the feelings and, and the complexion of Radharani. She's called Gorangi because her complexion is, is golden. He, he, he does that. Why does he do that? Well, this is explained in the Chaitanya Charitamrita that Radha and Krishna are together. And Krishna's looking at Radharani and he's just amazed at her love for him. It's so wonderful and so amazing. And he'd like to understand it for himself. But, but he can't. He wants to explore it, but he's the object of that love. And from that position, he can't do it. And then the second thing is he sees that he is the one that feels all bliss, you know, ananda, full of ananda, that is God. But that actually Radharani enjoys even more bliss than he does. And he wants to taste it for himself. He's the supreme enjoyer, I mean, come on. She feels more bliss worshipping him than he does by getting everybody else's worship. So he wants to taste it for himself. And the third thing he looks at, he says, there's something about me that makes this love appear in Srimata Radharani. What is, what is it about me that she finds so attractive? Hey, from my own position, I can't see it, but from her position, I could. 
So for these three reasons, he has this eternal form where he is behaving like his own devotee. He takes on the activities of a devotee. And when he... And at the same time, he comes to distribute that love of God to everybody. This is Chaitanya. I mentioned this before, you know. If it's so high, how come I know it? If it's so elevated and so esoteric, this, this, this love between Radha and Krishna, how can I even talk about it? What's my qualification? Well, I'm born in a, in a, in a country of... Uh, Outside of Vedic culture, these people, they're listed in the Bhagavatam, Kirata, Hunandra, Palinda, Pukasha, Americans, <laughs> so you could say, you know. Uh, why, uh, how, how can uh, unqualified people know these things? It's because of Lord Chaitanya. He distributes it freely. He came together with his companions, also uh, uh, other aspects of himself, chanted and danced, and predicted that this would eventually spread uh, throughout the world. And that although this is the worst age, it's Kali Yuga, this is the one benediction that we have been given access to the very, very highest level of the Vedas. So, this is something that we can take advantage of. Krishna himself is showing how to be a devotee. Very good lesson. And made it in a way that's accessible. Uh, and giving it to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to access it at all. Normally the people that have the highest levels of Vedanta, there's, there's celibate, sannyasi, scholars, very renounced, uh, very adept at Sanskrit, you know, and so on. And, and I, those people are very admirable, but uh, nobody even pronounces Sanskrit right anymore. This is a, so anyway, this is making it available. So this is our, uh, this is the testimony. This is why uh, bhakti is actually the highest realization. Uh, why it's better to, to be a devotee than even to be God, because God himself has paid his tribute uh, uh, devotees. And this relationship with Krishna, uh, it never uh, ever uh, stops growing and developing. It's dynamic. Uh, it's explained about the relationship between Radha and Krishna. That, 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 that they're always increasing. You, ne you never get tired of it. Because, because uh, Krishna, uh, Radha, Radharani looks at Krishna and she sees how beautiful Krishna is. And when she sees how beautiful Krishna is, her joy increases. And because her joy increases, her beauty increases. Uh, Radha and Krishna in the, are in spiritual bodies. Uh, in a spiritual body, there's no difference between the body and the soul, the soul and the body, the mind and the body, the mind and the soul, uh, the soul, the, the body and the soul, all unified. 
Here my mind is one thing, the self is something else, and the gross body is something else. But in the spiritual body, when her joy increases, immediately she becomes more beautiful. Krishna sees that Radharani has become more beautiful. And his love for her increases, and his joy increases, and his beauty increases, and then Radha sees that Krishna's become even more, more beautiful, and then her joy increases, and her beauty, and so on, it goes, and there's no end. And, th and this is going on, and we are, have a contribution to make to this process of ever-increasing joy and beauty. And that's our ultimate service to Krishna. That is why uh, it is be yeah, better to be a devotee <laughs> than it is to be God. <laughs> so I want to see if anyone has any questions that uh, can, need to be clarified. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Hare my Krishna. name is Raghunandan Das. Thank you for this wonderful series of lectures on why we are not God and what to do about it. Um, you are mentioning about God in the masculine aspect, feminine aspect, he, her, and it. Um, the Supreme Lord came in the form of Mohini and looks like he predominantly prefers to be in the masculine form as an enjoyer rather than being in the feminine aspect. And the second part of the question is, Radharani is also sometimes said is a feminine aspect of the Supreme. Is so, the what? The feminine aspect yes, of is. the Supreme. Mm -hmm. So on one hand we have the Mohini form and also Radharani. So how do we understand? We have the what form? Mohini. Mohini. Oh, the Mohini form was, was uh, that, that was there to, to uh, bewilder the Asuras and uh, in, entice Lord Shiva. That's another story. But, 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 but basically, the two, there's two philosophical categories that you see in Vedic philosophy, Purusha and Prakriti. Uh, 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 and we would, Purusha means male and Prakriti means female. And actually the Purusha and Prakriti as, as cosmic forces, you might say, uh, are first. And the male and female bodies here uh, are sort of derived from that. So, so the the uh, so Krishna has different energies. Uh, uh, what's called his energies, his, his his prakriti. And one of those prakritis is the prakriti which is uh, is called antaranga shakti or antar antaranga prakriti. His internal uh, potency or energy by which he creates this eternal spiritual world. Uh, and then there's another one uh, uh, by which it, the material world, that's also feminine, Durga, who's a kind of reflection of Radharani. And Krishna himself is never intimate with Durga, but when he is, he, then he's Lord Shiva. He takes on a, another aspect. Same God, but different kind of different way. And, uh, uh, so, so Krishna, especially here as, as Radha Krishna or Lakshmi Narayana or Sita Ram, this is the Lord with his, together with his 
spiritual, internal spiritual energy. And in their personified forms as individuals, one is male and one is, is female. Uh, that, that's, that's where they come from. Uh, and the material energy is a reflection of that. And there's there's other other <laughs> anyway many many energies, but but uh, these these are these are where these categories came from. Anything else? So I wanted to ask about you said how bhakti is the respiritualization of what is material or matter, mm-hmm. and how everything is a manifestation of Krishna's energy. Um, I'm trying to understand this in relationship to seeing so much suffering and pain in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, how could that even be Krishna's energy? Mm-hmm. The, the uh, suffering uh, uh, in the world is, is uh, an illusion. Uh, we suffer uh, because we falsely identify ourselves with the material body, ultimately. Uh, The material body is subject to injury, it grows old, it feels deprivation, uh, and so many things. None of these things happen to the spirit soul. Uh, When one actually becomes Krishna conscious, for oneself, you can see that there actually is uh, uh, no suffering, except that one feels compassion for those people who, because of being under illusion, undergo that suffering. And our thing is not is just to just to try to ultimately remove that veil, uh, because if I am if I am spirit. Spirit means this, the souls, the satchitananda, eternal, full of knowledge and full of bliss. That's my nature. I don't experience myself that way. Why don't I, I experience? Uh, because this is, I'm covered by the illusory energy. And I wanted to be uh, in a place where there's no God or where I'm independent. Well, every God is everywhere, so you can, you, therefore we require an illusion. And with that illusion, that means we, what I'm, as a spiritual being, I'm God's servant. I want to be independent. So, okay, I'm going to give you this material body, and there in that body, by identifying with it, you can, you can think of yourself as independent. But it's a, it's 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 the not self. It's matter. It's not spirit. It's born. It dies, and so on. And and according to our the karma we create, it can be better or worse. But to, 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 uh, in the material world, you enjoy your one day and a sufferer the next. And the sufferer of this birth is the enjoyer of the next birth. And you keep on trading places like that. So best, best to, to get out. But, and actually the testimony of people who are in devotional service, they are able to see the whole world Vishwa Purna Sukhayate, the whole world as full of joy. Although uh, uh, we can understand that there are some people not able to perceive that. Um, I'm just going to read you a little bit. 
The materially absorbed conditioned soul can be cured by Krishna consciousness. This process is generally known as yajna or activities, sacrifices simply meant for the satisfaction of Vishnu or Krishna. The more the activities of the material world are performed in Krishna consciousness or for Vishnu only, the more the atmosphere becomes spiritualized by complete absorption. The word Brahman means spiritual, the Lord is spiritual, and the rays of his transcendental body are called Brahma Jyoti, his spiritual effulgence. Everything that exists is situated in that Brahma Jyotir. But when the Jyotir is covered by illusion, maya, or sense gratification, it is called material. This material veil can be removed at once by Krishna consciousness. Thus, the offering, the contribution, the process of consumption, the contributor, the result are all combined together, Brahman or the Absolute Truth. The Absolute Truth, covered by Maya, is called matter. Matter dovetailed for the cause of the Absolute Truth regains its spiritual quality. Krishna consciousness is the process of converting the illusory consciousness into Brahman or the Supreme. So that can be done. And that is the ultimate welfare work for anyone who's suffering. You, anything we do on the material level to relieve people of their suffering is temporary. For the permanent solution, we have to give people Krishna consciousness. Therefore, it's the highest welfare work. And it'll help out materially too, because if everybody just takes what they need and no more, knowing that everything belongs to God, you'll find there's a lot of everything for everybody. You use the resources of, for Krishna and Krishna's service, everyone will be there. Now, every living being, Krishna's already put everything that we need. For every living being, the food is there. Why are people starving? Because somebody is taking more than their share. So the first mantra of the Isha Upanishad tells us, if you recognize that this whole world is owned and controlled by the Lord, and therefore we should accept just what is necessary for ourselves and not touch other things, you'll find out a lot of problems will be solved. So we recommend spiritual solutions to material problems. When you just try to make material solutions to material problems, you create more problems. Like multiple drug-resistant bacteria. <laughs> We're seeing them happening. Okay. Anything else? Wonderful class. Thank you, Marsh. Gaur Pranim is coming up, and uh, there's going to be uh, lots of people and lots of kirtan. Do you remember, or can you uh, relate to us uh, Prabhupada's instructions on kirtan recently? I heard that uh, kirtan in the temple should be rehearsed and refined. Can you expand on that? Well, kirtan is a sacrifice. Uh, and uh, 
it's for the glorification of Krishna. And so the, the, the center of kirtan, of, of, of chanting Hare Krishna or Sankirtan, doing it together with others, is to focus all our concentration on Krishna. And so sometimes things go on, they get a little distracting, some acrobatic dancing <laughs> or whatever it may be that distracts you from that. So if you just keep the principle in mind, the idea is to together to concentrate on glorifying Krishna, I think, that simple thing will keep everything all right. Uh, that's what we should do. It shouldn't be so loud that, that you have to, uh, you know, by hearing aids by the time you're 35 years old, uh, and, and, you know, a few things like that, or you can't hear the holy name because the drums are going so much, and, you know, it should be, if you keep Krishna in the center. It's not for our entertainment, it's to satisfy Krishna, and the more satis Krishna is satisfied, then we'll be satisfied. I think that's putting it shortly. Okay. All right. I have a question. Hmm. So why is it so hard to accept the fact that we're servants? It's to forget the fact to, that... To accept that we're a servant of God. Why is that yeah, hard? It's been going on for a long time. I'm just thinking of what uh, our predecessor, Acharya Bhaktivinoda Thakur, referred to as a causeless unwillingness to surrender. And it feels like that. I always, I, you know, I, one has to remind yourself uh, to do it. We have to teach ourselves. We have had this God project going on. I mean, the, 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 the competition to be the supreme, to dominate over others, to be the eater and not the eaten, is going on all everywhere in life. And only in the human form of life do you actually have the opportunity to think of anything higher. Otherwise, you just want to be, as they say, the top dog. <laughs> and that's ingrained in us, and it's taking us a while to recover. Uh, at least we identify it as the problem, this enjoying spirit, uh, and very few people actually, and even most religions are just saying, you know, if you just worship God, he'll make you the best. You know, you'll get uh, rich and you'll get uh, famous and you'll get whatever you want, you know. It's actually called in the Christian circles the gospel of prosperity. So... Uh, we 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 uh, just seems to take time to recover. But whatever progress we make, even if we've made like just five percent progress in our lives, our next life will pick up at five percent. So nothing is lost. Uh, uh, but let's try to make it quick. <laughs> Uh, save ourselves, and if we come back, we can just spend our time helping others. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.